So good. Well, tonight we are launching, it's just a two-part series called Love Life. And we've got the graphic coming up behind us for that. And uh, we're really excited about it because who knows, it's the quality of your relationships that determine whether you're loving life or whether you're hating life. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been somewhere like luxurious, like a resort, or you've, you've, been, you've been in a place where you should be having a great time, but because your relationships aren't going that well, you're like, man, I'm just hating my life right now. Uh, but then the opposite can be true as well. You can be in a situation which is not that great, it's boring, or there's not, or, or things are falling apart around you, but because you have healthy relationships, you're like, man, I'm loving life. And, and personally, I can say that my marriage to Jess and the relationship that I have with Jess, all throughout the last 10 years of our marriage, we have absolutely loved our life, at least I have. Uh, I don't know about you, but... <laughs> and we, you know, like many people in this room, we've had our challenges, um, our ups and downs, but because of our relationship, it's a fulfilling relationship, then we love our life. And so tonight, we want to have a talk about, of tonight and the next few weeks, about how we can build healthy relationships. And so we want you to, we want to help you to love your life. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about your love life. Um, not just romantic love life, but tonight we're going to be focusing on, on marriage. And, and, and maybe for any, I don't know if there's anyone out you out there that want to get married someday. Maybe put it in your hand if you're not married yet. Come on, hey. All right. Um, but, but tonight we're going to be talking about, you know, how to find the one and things like that. But it's a bit like a Disney movie tonight. There's something for the kids, but there's also something for the parents to glean from as well. There's something, not just for those that are single, but for those of you that are in all walks of life in terms of relationships. And so, then next week, we're going to be having an Everlife panel on relationships. So, a few people from within our church are going to be talking about how they build healthy relationships um, in different kinds of contexts, different kinds of relationships, family relationships, relationships with kids, with friends. Etc. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, but I want to start tonight off by praying and asking God to come and speak to us tonight. And so I ask you as I pray, to join me as I pray. Well, God, I thank you so much that you love every single person here. And truly, you want us to love life, Lord God, by building healthy relationships. And so we just open up our heart just to hear from you tonight. God, I pray that you speak through me, that you bring your word to life, tonight, Lord God, and let us apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start tonight by looking at the words of Jesus. Looking at the words of Jesus and what he taught or what he spoke about marriage. And so we're going to look at the book of Mark chapter 10. And we're going to have a look at a quote or a section of what Jesus shared about relationships and about marriage. And it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 6 to 9. And these were the words of Jesus. He says, From the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall join his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one separate what God has joined together. Now, this is kind of a bit of a verse that you might read out in, in weddings and things, but the, the point of this scripture is saying that, that there's two different people from two different families, both from their way of doing life. Who knows how that different families have their own way of doing things and their own traditions and preferences, 
And so you have two different people from two different backgrounds coming together to form a new family that's heading in the same direction. I know that on, on our wedding day, our pastor who married us, a very good friend of ours, John Weston, he reminded us, Shaken, you're no longer doing life the way that you've done it before. The Williams way. And Jess, no longer are we doing things the basic kind of way, but now there's two people coming together to create a new path and to create a new direction today as we walk together. And so for us, it's been the greatest adventure. And so tonight, at risk of being overly simple, I want to talk on the two aspects that will point you in the right direction when it comes to discovering your marriage partner and maintain, maintaining a healthy marriage in the following year, years. And these two things are the very simple. The first is attraction. Everyone say attraction. Very good. See, attraction is what draws us together. But then the second key component is direction. Everyone say direction. direction. See, attraction can bring you together, but it's the direction that you head in that then keep you together. And so tonight, I want to first of all talk about the direction that we head in. See, although attraction might bring you together, it's the direction that will keep you on course and keep you together. Now, years ago, I remember in year 10, I thought about it today, I'm like, wow, that was 1997. <laughs> that was like 22 years ago, or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Yes. Can't believe it. Um, we went on a year 10 trip across the Malabora three-day journey on the bus. And, um, and, and as a part of this school trip, we went skiing for one day in a place called Blue Cow in Perisher Valley, in the Snowy Mountains. Has anyone ever been there before? In fact, has anyone ever been snowboarding or skiing before? Yeah, quite a few people. Very good. Well, I remember our instructor saying, see, snowboarding was, wasn't quite as prolific as it was now all those years ago. And I remember our ski instructor telling me, oh, what you've got to do is get your skis and make sure that they're both heading in the right direction, in the same direction. See, so what I had a tendency to do is my feet would begin to drift apart in opposite directions, and before you know it, I was, my face was like planted on the side of the mountain and kind of just sliding down the mountain. And, um, and, and so the skill was to resist the temptation to allow your feet to go in different directions and bring them together and make sure that they're heading in the same direction. Really simple, isn't it? And, um, and so the great thing is, by the end of the day, we and my classmates were able to go down some of the biggest slopes, and it was so much fun. And unfortunately, I haven't been back since, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And so the same principle applies to us when we are wanting to find a marriage partner or build an intimate relationship. And that is to find someone that is heading in the same direction as you are headed in. The biblical way of saying it is to say to find someone that is equally yoked. I'm not talking about egg yolk, but a different kind of yolk. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, it says this. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? In other words, the challenge is don't allow yourself to come together with someone that at the deepest level of their core convictions are headed in the opposite direction to you. See, the thing is, in the same way that it's impossible to ski down the slopes of the snowy mountains if each of your skis are headed in the opposite direction, 
It's also almost impossible to have a lasting and fulfilling relationship with someone that's headed in a completely different or opposite direction as you are. You know, this verse earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it refers to this idea of a yoke. And in ancient Israel, what would happen, in fact, in some parts of the world now, they'll get two oxen and they'll begin to plough their field. And what they would do is they'll put a yoke on the oxen. And the oxen would carry this yoke and the plough would be attached to the oxen and they'll drag the plough behind them in the field in order to turn up the ground so they could sow the seeds and reap a harvest. But what would happen if, if you have one oxen who was bigger than the other one, then the, the bigger oxen would naturally take the smaller oxen off course and in the opposite direction than they intended to go. And this is the idea or the principle that God wants to communicate to us when it comes to finding a relationship. Marriage is a little bit like going on a three-legged race. Has anyone done a three-legged race before? Man, you've got, you, you just got to find, it's got to be in sync. You've got to be heading in the same direction and getting your feet in sync, but otherwise you end up on the floor. And so, if you're a Christian, what does it look like to be heading in the same direction? If you're a Christian looking for a partner, there's no greater decision to make than choosing someone who is heading in the same direction. And this is to choose someone who's living for and seeking Jesus as the number one thing in their life. The number one pursuit of their life is to know Jesus. This is what we're looking for. You see, there's, there's a clash of philosophies in the world. What the world says, the world's philosophy, or probably our, our, our own tendency, is I want to live my life in a way that satisfies me. I want to live my life in a way that fulfills me and satisfies me. I, I, I seek my happiness above everything else. This is the thrust, this is the direction that the world is headed in. And we can be tempted to make a priority is my happiness and how I'm going. But get this, it's actually the opposite is true for those who follow Jesus. Because Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 verse 24, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. In other words, if you want to follow Jesus and pursue him as number one in your life, then we've got to be willing to die. I mean, I'm not talking about a physical death, although in some parts of the world it's actually true. People who follow Jesus literally lose their lives. There's a great cost to following God. But the kind of death that we relate to is dying to living to make the primary purpose of our life, our own desires and our own happiness and our own comfort as a number one pursuit of our life. And it's really hard. It's not always easy to follow Jesus because sometimes there's great sacrifices involved. Sometimes following Jesus means that we miss out on what everyone else is doing. You know, when something can be exciting, something can be uh, very appealing, but for us to follow Jesus, there's a certain death, dying to joining in with what everyone else is doing. And this is the key. As we're seeking to build a relationship with someone, they might appear to be going in the same direction for a while, but then there comes a point where a sacrifice is required. And where, when a sacrifice is required of us, sometimes it can reveal where our heart truly is at. And this is why the number one thing that we should consider when looking for someone to do life with is the direction that we're heading in. 
So I want to encourage us to be on the lookout for someone headed in the same direction as us. And I want to say that as we, as we do this, we never ever lose out. Because Jesus' promise to us is this. He said, if you seek me first, if you seek me above all else, then because of my goodness, I will bring all these good things and add them into your life. The things that everyone else is pursuing, if you don't pursue them as number one in your life, but you pursue me, then because of my love for you, I'll provide everything that you need in, my life, in your life. Um, I've got a bit of a cold at the moment, so excuse my voice. Um, I remember this is really evident for um, Jess and I when we were um, getting together. I remember when I was living in Perth, um, as a single man, I remember moving up to Perth and you're praying for the one, you're looking for the one, and I thought, gee, if I move to Perth, then there's like 2.1 million people in Perth, surely I'm going to find my wife up here, like up my chances from Albany, you know, 30,000 people. And, um, but no one appeared, and then I thought, well, I'm going to join this mission organisation full of women, girls from all over the world that love God. They're speaking all these exotic, different accents and everything. I, th I thought, surely I'll find my wife there. But, but then, no, it didn't happen. And then God put it on my heart to call me to go back to Albany to minister to or to reach or, or to show the love of God to the youth in Albany. And I was keen to follow God as number one in my life. But the last time I was going, God, like, I, I do want to get married, you know. Um, and you're calling me to go back to Albany, where there's like no one. I mean, I'm related to half of them. And I'm going to have a blood test before I find out whether it's legal or not. It's like a mini Tasmania. And, um, and I was thinking, whoa, like, am I going to pursue you as number one in my life? Or am I going to not go to Albany in the hope that I'll find someone? And so thank God somehow I was like, okay, God. I trust that into your hands. Rather than pausing, pressing pause in my pursuit of your will for my life and pressing pause and having a look over here, what I'm going to do is leave those results up to you, but what I'm going to do is pursue your will for my life, to follow you as number one in my life, believing and trusting in that, that in your timing you provide the right person for me. And um, so I remember, I moved down to Albany, and one week later, Jess moved down to Albany as well. And so we begin to rekindle this friendship that we had for many years, and uh, we became friends, and we're hanging out, and then there was that awkward first hand, holding hand moment, and we're walking down the beach, and I went out to, I reached out to hold Jess's hand. It's just a magical moment. It wasn't actually, she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I like, oh, I guess that begins the conversation then. I guess we've got to talk. <laughs> But then we got married about 18 months after we moved down to Albany. And I can tell you what, that you never lose out. You never miss out when you make the priority of your life. Do you know what? I'm going to seek God's kingdom first. I'm going to seek knowing Jesus and living for him and, and outworking the call of God and the purposes of God in my life. I'm not going to press pause on following Jesus so I can sort all these things out in my own life. But I'm, I'm going to trust in your goodness, God, to provide the right thing for me. And marriage is awesome. Can I just say that marriage is worth believing for, preparing for, fighting for, and waiting for. Wow. If you're not married yet, I want, to, I want to tell you that it's worth the wait. It's worth believing and trusting in God for the right person in your life. And I can say that Jess and I, like I said, for me, our marriage, I've loved it the last 10 years. It's been the best years of my life. Oh, that'd be great, thank you.
Jess. Got the kids' little drink bottle. <laughs> Jess's jewelry was fresh. With no spit in it. <laughs> no kids' loogies. <laughs> and so this is the thing. Although Jess and I are really different, obviously. You know, Jess loves to watch, you know, movies about the royal family and all that kind of stuff. Oh. I like to watch movies about World War II. We're very different people. But this is the thing, our key, and I believe the strength of our marriage has been the fact that our skis are in alignment. That we've been heading in the same direction. We've got different lives and different desires, but our, our core conviction is going, God, no matter what it costs us, we want to pursue, we want to know you, God, and we want to live for you. And can I just say that there's nothing more satisfying in a relationship, nothing more satisfying in life than to build your life on that foundation. So maybe you're married here and you're with someone else, but I encourage you to come back to that central focus in your life. If you're waiting for someone and you're looking for someone, I'd love to invite you to make that decision tonight and go, God, I don't want to compromise in that. I want to have a long, satisfying marriage to pursue as number one. And so that was talking about direction, the direction that we're heading. And the second point that I want to talk about is attraction. See, attraction is a very, very powerful thing. Attraction is a God-given desire that draws people together. Um, and we know that it might not necessarily be a physical attraction, but it can be a spiritual and emotional. It can be attracted to someone's intellect. Um, Proverbs chapter th 31, verse 30. It says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. In other words, it's saying beauty has absolutely a, a, a certain amount of worth and, and value in it. And it can bring you together, but it won't last. And what truly matters is the inner beauty of a person who loves God and puts God first in their life. And so attraction is something that can bring us together. But also attraction, or another way of saying it can be misused, can be lust. Attraction if misused can actually also bring brokenness into our life. See, attraction is not wrong, but the way that we deal with attraction can either promote freedom or invite brokenness into our life. It's a little bit like money. Jesus said that it's the love of money that is evil, not money in and of itself. Money is a, is a powerful tool that we can use for good. And it's the same deal with attraction, the way that we can be attracted to other people. There's nothing wrong with being attract attracted to people at all, but it's the way that we handle attraction that can have a huge impact on our life. And what Jesus desires for us is how we handle our attraction in a way that we can live with the freedom that Jesus intends for us to live. See, there's, there's Satan's view of what freedom is, and then there's Jesus' view of what freedom is. And Satan's view of what freedom is, is for us just to do whatever we feel like. Whatever we feel like, Whatever you desire, whatever your impulse is, then that's right. You just go for it. Just unleash your desires and your attraction and do whatever you want. No one can tell me what to do or how to live my life. But the truth is that it's the opposite that is true. Because when we allow our actions and behaviours to be governed by our feelings and by our impulses, we're actually living in bondage and we're not free. But Jesus wants us to have freedom. And so what I, what I want to do tonight to finish off with is to give us three tips in how we can live free when it comes to this area of attraction, when it comes to this area of, 
of, of sexual intimacy or um, this whole area of how we express our sexuality. Um, and, and before I go into it, I just want to assure us and remind us that we're all on different journeys along the way. We're all different places along the journey. All of us have been through our own wrestles and, and our own struggles in this whole area. But whether it's a battle with pornography, whether it's a battle with, um, with, with sleeping, with people outside of the context of marriage, or whether it's just being consumed with this in our mind, we're all on a journey in different places, all at different starting places. And so when we approach these tips, I just want to encourage you that these, these are tips, no matter where you're at on the journey, I hope that these can help you as you navigate your way forward. Yeah. And so the first tip, one of three tips, are you alright? You're good? It's a little bit heavy, isn't it? It's, um, but we're, kind of, we're, going, we're going there. You're like, he went there. Like, we're going there. Like, well, I don't expect this. We've got seatbelts and your seats just over there. Just flip yourself in. It's all good. We'll come out the other end. It's all good. Just everyone have a breath. Okay, it's all right. We're not going to say anything too controversial, okay? You can rest easy. So the first tip for you living in freedom when it comes to this whole area of expressing, expressing our attraction, the first tip is to simply to turn. To turn. So when you're driving and you see an obstacle, a dog walk on the road or in back, what do you do naturally? You just want to turn, you want to avoid it. If you're walking along the road and you see a, a pole in front of you, you just want to turn away from something that will have a negative impact on you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22 says, run or turn from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. <laughs> turn from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Run. When you see something tempting coming at you down the road, then the encouragement is to simply turn from it, to run from it, to flee from it, to avoid the impact. Um, there was a man called Joseph in the Bible, and he worked, or he served, a, a, a wealthy man who was married. And this man's wife began to have a desire to, to sleep with Joseph. And so she began to pursue him. She began to make advancements to him. And so he was kind of sidestepping them and avoiding and running to other rooms. And, but then eventually, there was a moment where she just went for it, where she completely revealed herself, and she was just like, Joseph, I want you. And so jo Joseph, in that instant, instead of trying to be a man and figure out whether he can resist temptation or not, he was like, I'm out of here! And he ran. The Bible says that he, he fled that place. He fled temptation because he knew that he needed to get out of there quick. See, rather than trusting in your own capacity to resist or refuse temptation, the encouragement is to flee and to remove ourselves from any situation that we might feel vulnerable. The tip is to turn away from it. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 8, it says, Don't go near the door of her house, or you'd like to say maybe his house. Don't go near the door of herself. In other words, <coughs> avoid certain relationships, avoid certain situations, maybe certain premises. Certain environments, maybe there's habits or things that you do in your life that open the door to temptation. And the encouragement is to turn from that, is to flee from it. And so getting really, really, really practical. For me personally, what this means is 
my little phone is to get my phone at night and put it in another room to put it on charge. I do this most of the time because I know for me that although I might be okay 999 times out of a thousand, for me, if I hang around or linger around the door of her house for too long, and if I'm tired and it's been an extra late night and things are getting out of control, if I, in a point of weakness, have the door of her house very close to me at that point, and a mobile phone is a massive doorway into a whole world of temptation, then for me, I don't trust myself in moments of vulnerability enough to think that I'm strong enough to withstand those temptations and instead my turning away from it is to put the phone in the other room. That's a really, really practical tip, for example. And there, there, there's a whole lot of other things that you can do in order to avoid temptation in your life when it comes to misplaced attraction. The second tip for us to walk in freedom in this area is to talk. Is to talk about it. So the greatest tactic of the devil is to keep your to keep you in bondage is to keep your sin in the darkness. Because sin begins to fester in the darkness. And lies become so much more powerful and believable in the darkness. I know I've experienced this myself. When the enemy comes in, he says, you're the only one. I mean, look around the church right now, all these holy people. You're the only one stuffed up. You've gone too far this time. You're never going to get free of this. You are a failure. You may as well give out. God's forgotten about you. He can't forgive you or use you again. And definitely don't talk to anyone about it because you are crazy. You're like the worst. And these lies kept in the darkness are so believable. And so what we begin to do is isolate ourselves in shame and then the enemy's plan is outworked and we just walk right into the mouth of the lion and we become defeated. But... I want to encourage us, rather than hiding it, bringing our failure, bringing temptations and weaknesses out into the light. And so although talking to someone is one of the hardest things you can do, I want to encourage you that talking to someone about it is one of the greatest keys to overcoming attraction, this misuse of attraction and stepping into the freedom that you can have. So I want to encourage you to find a trusted friend, someone that you love. For me, I can tell you what, all throughout my life, I mean, I'm a, I'm a male, and um, all throughout my life, from my late teens all the way through up until now, in every season of my life, I've always found someone that I can trust, that I can be open and honest with, that I can be vulnerable with and be open with them about my failure and about temptations and about the journey. James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess, bring it out into the light. See, God's agenda for you to bring it out into the light isn't to condemn you, to put you down, but it's to bring you out into the light. Why? For freedom, to release you from the power that the enemy might have. And I can tell you what, when, when I've done that throughout my journey in my life, I can tell you that after I spent that time with those people, I felt courage come back into my heart. All of a sudden, I feel hope come back into my heart. And ironically, it's in that very process that actually leaves me feeling empowered to live in even greater victory in that area of my life. You know, us being honest about our failures in this area and other areas brings us freedom. And it reminds me a little bit about the kids' clothes toys they come home with. 
figurines sometimes, birthday parties with glow in the dark figurines and stickers and, and things. If you leave those figurines in the dark for too long, they lose their glow. They become, that, that is melting into the darkness. But if we get real, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I just want to make really, really clear here, yeah, unequivocally, no matter how far you've gone, no matter what you've done, there is forgiveness and there is freedom for every single person here tonight. You know, I have no idea about where every person is tonight. I know the statistics are out there regarding even things like um, pornography. Um, the statistics are huge. did a little bit of research, I'm not going to repeat them, but I know that there'll be a lot of people here that have battled with it to one degree or another. But what I want to say to you tonight is that freedom and forgiveness is available through Jesus for every single one of us here. And I just want to invite the band to come up. Thanks, Brooke. Awesome. Let's invite the band to come up now. I just want to finish with this one verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. You know, God invites us to trust in Him for forgiveness. And He invites us to trust in Him for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and transform us. You see, Jesus loves us and He wants us to come to Him as we are. But He loves us far too much to leave us as we are. And He wants to take our hand and lead us into increasing freedom into our lives in this area. So I just love it if we could stand up tonight. Now tonight, we're going to pray, pray around two things. You know, before I spoke about how this attraction that brings us together and this direction that keeps us together. You know, I want to, I want to pray and believe both the people listening and watching online, but also for every single person here who is yet to be married. I want to pray for you and believe in God, that He can bring someone into your life. And the Bible says that God is a good God and He has good gifts for His children. There's no explicit promise in the Bible that God will give you a marriage partner, but there's enough in the Bible to let us know that God is a good God. That the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the law, that He gives us the desires of our heart. And that Jesus Himself, He says, you have not received because you have not asked. And so tonight, we're just going to pray. I know there's people in our church and there's people around. And, and I just really want to believe that God can bring a breakthrough in your life in this area. And invite you to hook your faith into it. But also after that, I'm going to be praying for people that have especially struggled in the area of, of temptation. Maybe you've, you've already been wrestling in this area in your own life. And I want to really believe that the Holy Spirit can bring freedom into your life as well tonight. So I just want to ask everyone to close your eyes. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for your goodness right now. Lord, I thank you that you're a good God, that you have good things for us, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you, you invite us to come and ask you, Lord. And so right now, Jesus, tonight, I pray, Lord God, for those here tonight that are, that are yet to be married, Lord, that are, that are hoping to be married one day, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, we ask you. I ask you, Lord, that you be bringing people into their lives, Lord, that you'd open the doors. I pray, Jesus, that you would... You would link people together in relationships. And we're going to pray, Lord God, that you would just release your grace 
and your favour in this area of their life, Lord. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that people will come together, be drawn together, Lord Jesus, that together they could pursue your kingdom, that they could live and make an impact for your name, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. And also, maybe you here tonight, maybe you've already had a wrestle in this area yourself, with temptation and, and giving in. Maybe it's the area of pornography. Maybe it's the area of other areas around that. And tonight, I just want to believe for God with the power of the Holy Spirit for a breakthrough for you tonight. As you implement turning from it, as you implement talking about it, as you implement trusting God right now, I want to pray and believe that the power of the Holy Spirit can bring breakthrough and give you strength in this area of your life. Thank you, Lord. So God, right, right now, Lord, for every single person in this room, maybe that are watching and, and listening online, Lord, God, I thank you that you give us the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to overcome temptation. Lord, God, I thank you, Jesus, that you give us power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, God, to, to turn, Lord. And so right now, Lord, God, I declare your forgiveness, Lord. I declare your grace. I declare an outpouring of your spirit, Lord God, to bring freedom, Lord Jesus, to bring a breakthrough in this area in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, for, for courage and for confidence, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, for breakthrough in this area by the power of Jesus' name. And Lord God, for those, Lord God, tonight, here, Lord God, that have been wrestling with this, Lord, we declare from this moment forward, Lord, that they walk in increasing freedom. They walk in increasing peace. They walk in increasing victory, Lord, according to your power at work in them, Lord God. We thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just invite you to join us as we worship together. Lord, if you're 